Hello, and welcome back to the Matron Saint of Nightmares podcast. I am the Acolyte. And I am the Matron. Um, today, well, this is actually the second time we've done this episode. <laughs> I, for some reason, lost it, but it works out because uh, we've actually done the original Evil Dead from 1981, and mm-hmm. then we um, almost basically immediately watched Evil Dead, the remake from 2013. Uh, I think the matron wanted to watch the new one. Um, wasn't available on any streaming services, so we watched the old one. Yeah. Lost the episode, and may as well just do both now. We're just going for it. We're gonna go. We're gonna go for it. And I really liked watching both of them close together because I feel like the 2013 version was like it was good to have the information from the old one and to kind of see what they did differently. Yeah. And it was very different, so yeah, it, that was fun. Yeah, I think they took, like, the premise of it and made it made it their own. And Yeah, we could talk more about it that, that yeah. as, as we get to it, yeah. Yeah, but we wanted to start off talking about the first one and then kind of ease into the second one. Yeah. Um, and I think that the first one, you know, there's definitely... Some things that haven't aged well, right. I think about it. But yeah. overall, I think it was like really great cinematography for the time, and um, and it was it's definitely worth watching. I think it was the foundation of a lot of movies going forward. Yeah, um, and informed kind of how horror developed. Yeah, it was really yeah. The first one was super well made. Um, like you said, cinematography is great. Lots of really great editing. Um, and, um, both the movies are fucking brutal though. Yeah. Um, The first one is like probably brutal for when it came out in the eighties, early eighties. The, 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 the remake is, I think one of the more sort of full bodied gory movies I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled out variety of weapons. There was some torture parts. Different types of bodily fluids. Um, different ways that people were hurt and maimed. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the 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 original, um, and I think this is a common theme that we, or issue that we've had watching some of the older ones, at least for me, mm-hmm. is that there's something that gets lost in the sort of, like, in time, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think some of the characters weren't very, like, were a little underdeveloped in the first one. Because mm-hmm. um, my first reaction to them was kind of like, oh, okay, there's a bunch of whack 80s dudes, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that the kind of the character development was like a little lacking, except for Ash. I think Ash kind of had a full range of yeah. growth in the movie. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that was in both movies that I thought would be good to talk about was kind of this idea that the person, the first person to know what's going on is crazy. Yeah. Right? And I think in the first movie, we see that in a different way. Um, but Ash's sister is just kind of dismissed as being, um, acting like a child. And, right. You know, being hysterical. Right. Um, and it's so much so that when she, when her hand gets possessed for the first time, she doesn't even tell anybody about it. Yeah. She doesn't even tell her brother about it. Right. Because she, I mean, you assume... She doesn't know how to tell people, right? Mm -hmm. And then later on, you find out that, oh, they didn't believe her anyway. So it makes sense that she wouldn't tell anyone. Um, And 
so she doesn't have a lot of support there. And I think that people, especially Scotty's like very judgmental. Um, and I think often we call people crazy as a way to kind of invalidate what they're saying because it's somehow threatening to us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's definitely true in the movie because if what, um, if what Cheryl was saying, Cheryl was Ash's sister, if what she was saying was true, then they would all be in danger and they didn't want to believe that, right? right. So instead it was easier to believe that Cheryl was crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that in the first movie that I thought was pretty important to talk about um, was kind of how everybody had a different response to what was going on. Right. right. Um, Cheryl kind of, she was the first one to get possessed, but she kind of knew before everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then there was the next person was Sharon, right? No, Shelly. I think it was Shelly and then Cheryl. Okay. Yes. For what it's worth, in the first one, it's Ash's sister that gets possessed first, right? Right. Um, so we could just use that as clarification because we get the names mixed up quite often. That's true. That's uh, true. Ash's sister gets possessed first, um, and then, uh, yeah. And she, she kind of figures out what's going on, and she wants to leave. Like, that was her, her initial, her reaction yeah. is to find out what's happening, and then she wanted to leave, right? Yeah. So she wanted to flee. Um, Scotty kind of wanted to fight, yeah. right? He didn't hesitate to yeah. fight. Um, and I think Ash froze a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause, um, we, we typically understand so these sort of like responses, uh, there's that common phrase, flight or flight, fright, fright, fright or fright, <laughs> flight or fight or flight, fight or Christ. flight. Yes. Um, and, um, in the last episode yesterday, you were saying how, um, or were the next most commonly understood situation is f fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then even beyond that, you actually yesterday mentioned that there was five separate or not even, but because that even then you expanding it to five, you still called it reductive. Right. And, and right. Right. And I think it, whenever anybody's reacting to trauma, the important thing is to normalize their response. There's mm -hmm. going to be different responses because we're all different. Right. But I think it's important to talk about the different common reactions so people know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Fight and flight are kind of the ones that we're most familiar with. Freeze is kind of self-explanatory, mm -hmm. right? You just kind of freeze in the moment. Um, but the other two that I think are important to talk about um, is flop mm -hmm. and fawn. So I call them the five Fs. So this is, uh, for flop, that is when you actually either pass out or, like, sometimes you just, like, sleep through <laughs> something traumatic happening. Right. Right? And it's your body's way of trying to shut it down because it's too much. Right? Um, and so often people will go into shock and they'll maybe pass out or lose consciousness for a minute or something like that. Um, and then the, the last one is really important. It's... Um, it highlights that we operate in a social environment. Mm -hmm. So the last one is fawn. And because we, our safety is inextricably linked to our social interactions and our social relationships, 
um, and our status in our social environment. Right. Fawn is often seen in people who have experienced either like intimate partner violence or domestic violence or, you know, violence as a child. Um, and it is trying to befriend the predator, right? Mm-hmm. Or trying to befriend the attacker. Um, and so sometimes you'll see this as like people, um, you know, really working to make life easier for their abuser to try to prevent them from lashing out at them, right? Or being, like, hyper-protective over their abuser. Or even just saying, um, just trying to be ultra-friendly or peppy or happy. You know what I mean? In does a situation. any part of that... Uh, does fawning also include sort of, like, even self-blaming? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And that's really common, too, with... Um, people who've experienced childhood trauma, when we're in that a level of social development, like under 10, we're really trying to figure out what our place is in the world, right? We're trying to separate from our mom in a way. We're trying to kind of form our own identity in a way. Um, but we're also just trying to figure out on a really basic level, like who am I and who is the world? Mm-hmm. And in that level, we're very dependent on our, our caregivers. So oftentimes it's way safer for a child to believe that there's something wrong with them, then there's something wrong with their caregivers because right. they can't change anything about their caregivers mm-hmm. and they know that they depend on them. Right. 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 So what they could change or feel like they had some kind of control over is themselves. Yeah. And so oftentimes we have like those kids, while that behavior was super functional as a child and probably helpful to help keep them alive yeah. as an adult, it becomes kind of this pattern that could really um, make it hard for folks you know, in relationships to get what they need or to defend themselves Mm -hmm. or, you know, to, you know, be assertive. Um, And so, uh, and a lot of these responses, when we talk about fight, flight, uh, freeze, flop, or fawn, um, those are talking about like just uh, in the moment, right? So like what, what's our response in the moment? Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of those behaviors can kind of be um, drawn out, especially like the fawning Mm -hmm. behavior, right? Um, so I think in this movie, we saw a lot of different responses right. to the trauma. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, but well, I do know about you because we were watching it together. <laughs> but <laughs> when we, when I was watching it, like we were yelling at the screen, especially with Ash, just like, pick up a weapon, man. Yeah. Move your feet. Like, move your something. feet. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. It was this like he was so... walking in mud the whole time. Oh, like... so hard to watch. But I think yeah. that's, you know, and I always wonder like. I mean, I'm sure that's like a, a deliberate move in, yeah. in movie making, right? Yeah. Especially with horror, because you want people to be like, "Oh my gosh, like I would have done it differently," or "You're dumb," or right? Whatever, you know, because it's anxiety producing, yeah. and you're like hyped up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think in the first movie, the, uh, I think it was tougher for me because I didn't come away from watching that one with a whole lot of you know, like, I what I felt like pertinent questions for the podcast, but um, I think it when you brought up the sort of trauma responses that that was quite on point because like we said ash he shows mostly uh, f- uh freeze yeah um scotty um i think he's portrayed more as like a jock type um or you know um he is more of a fighter yeah and uh, and one of the one of the i think it was lindo after she got attacked um, oh yeah that's right um she you know took a nap took a nap yeah you know, went to sleep <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and so that was like a, a kind of good, um, um, a good way to approach a lot of the, at least the responses from the characters in the first one. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I also did want to um, sort of softball pitch to you too is yeah. I think we, we talked about early uh, for the first movie that um, uh, the certain types of violence that are shown in the in the movies. Right, of um, course, yes. And uh, they're actually in, funny enough, not, not funny, but interestingly enough, the remake doesn't do much of that. Yeah, yeah, they have a much different kind of portrayal of that yeah. violence. And in so in the old or in the eighty one, not old. Whew, uh, <laughs> the nineteen eighty one. Almost forty years ago. It's forty oh, years stop. ago now. Though. So <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, the eighty one version, um, when Ash's sister <laughs> is attacked by vines in the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, the vines attack her in kind of a very sexualized way. Right. So they rip her clothes off, and there's like a lot of showing her breasts. Um, yeah, you see a lot of skin. Up. You see a lot yeah. of skin. You see like a lot of they're cutting up her thighs, and then ultimately, like she gets penetrated by this vine right. in some way. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were talking a little bit yesterday about how. Um, how that's kind of like a reflection of, I think, how we want to see violence or like what violence, we were talking about kind of the pressure for movies to be like sexy or sexualized. Yeah, in a way that, to, to I, I, you know, my interpretation is almost the way that they sell it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm sure it's more than that too, right? There, there has to be some sort of underlying thing because we don't see sexy guys getting killed, right? You, you see... A few boobies, because I always point that out, and then um, and and usually it's the women that get kind of brutalized in that way too. Right. right, right, and I mean I think this is kind of important to note when we're talking about horror is like how people bring like that sexual element into horror. Right, and you know it's in this way it just portrays like the sexual violence that I'm not sure is necessary for the story, and right. is I mean really. Um, Really gnarly, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, you know, watching the the remake right after it is a good contrast because the totally. remake had none of that. Well, she in the remake, and we can kind of just kind of go into this right now. And in the remake, the story who is, or the the character who gets possessed first um, is Mia, mm-hmm. who's also still the like the, the main character uh, sister, yeah, David's yeah, sister, yeah, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so Mia does get attacked by vines, which is a throwback, right? But yeah, the basically the same way. Basically the same way. And then she sees, like, this the demon version of herself or something. And yeah. then that demon version of herself spits, like, this spiny slug vine thing. Yeah. And then that enters through her vagina. And that's how she yeah. gets possessed. Right, right. So, like, that was weird. Yeah. But other than that, they didn't have any of that other like sexualized like cutting or yeah or any like, like topless scenes too no because topless the first scenes. one had like a couple of topless scenes mm-hmm. and this one no allusion to any sexy sexy no except for yeah that that part where you know she's entered through right right she possessed through her vagina yeah. I guess and and to be fair I think it's a interesting take on that original scene too yeah because they kind of then it kind of makes sense right they give it a purpose rather than just be like we're just gonna kind of like 
violently sexually assault, assault this, this woman, woman by a mind for right. no reason. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was good too. Like it kind of made it make sense. And I think if we can launch into the second one, the yeah. the uh, what I enjoyed about the second one is I think that it did fill in a lot of those gaps in story right. from the first one. Like a lot of questions I had about the first one. Yeah. Um, and I also think that the characters were just like far more likable. I mean, Ash is great, but... David? David, I like Ash better than David, I will say that. However, okay. I, I do like David, but I think that overall that all of the characters just were more likable to me. That's fair. I I felt I feel differently, but I mean yeah. it's not a big deal. I, yeah, like I I liked. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think I like Ash better than David mm-hmm. by a margin. I actually like his sister a little bit better in the new movie. Oh, me um, too. I like her a lot better. But Scotty versus Eric in the old the new movie, I dislike them just as much. What? Eric's a boss, man. He, okay, he shows up at the end. Yeah. Yeah, like, he redeems himself, which Scotty doesn't really get to do. No. But, but, I, I, he still f- fulfills the same function as the guy who starts it. Right? He does. He starts it. It is his fault. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more, it's, I, in the... 1981 Evil Dead, I was judging them the whole time. I was like, why are you removing this weird spell book from the basement? Right. This is not good. Yeah. Like, why are you listening to these tapes? This is so stupid. And in the updated version, like, I feel like it was a little bit more understandable. Although, I do feel like, Eric, if I found that book that was, like, bound together like that... Yeah, I'd it be was like, wrapped nah, in fucking barbed wire. I, I'm cool, bro. Like, I don't need to know what's in there. Yeah, it was, I like, wrapped no in a need. garbage bag and then, like bound with barbed, barbed wire. wire and yeah. he cut all of that off he cut to read through it, it with, out yeah. loud yeah and yeah. then he read it yeah and that 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 for me was like what the fuck that's dude? fair that's fair like you know like at least scotty in the first movie was kind of just like this like Fucking dumb around. jock was yeah. there, like oh, we're gonna play the recording or whatever right. like eric was like and then he withheld all that information like for the first like couple of possessions right yes like, that's the other it's thing. like he should have known like it like you know, like, they didn't make that connection, you know? Yeah. And that, for me, was, like, a bit of a, like, okay, well, it was so obvious. You had a weird book, and you saw all these weird, brutal anime. It was, like, a weird, brutal anime, like, or manga. Thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, like, the, the style of drawing and shit. But, like, yeah, for me, I was just like, nah, okay, whatever. That's, yeah, he, that was bad. He, but the Linda replacement yes. in the new one was dope. She was dope. Yeah. She was also dope. Um, there's this, that great scene where she dismembers herself, where she cuts her arm off. Yeah, with the, uh, electric, um, like, like a ham slicer. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was just a boss move, man. Yeah. That was boss move. They, this, the, the, the remake was definitely, like, a buffet of, like, weapons. Yeah. Wounds. And bodily fluids. Yes. It was it was a lot. It was a lot. A lot of tortury stuff. And I think um, the characters were, like, very... Pretty strong, too. Mm-hmm. And I liked... So, the um, the whole premise is that they're in this cabin in the woods to help Mia get off heroin. Right. Um, and... They know that she's going to beg to be taken back to town. They know she's not going... And they right. make this pact that they're going to try to support her by not letting her leave. Right. And the I think 
it's such a great setup because so great because and and I'm sure you could talk more about this, but um, I think it sets up the idea that she is unreliable. Yes, because, she's an unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah, because because she's going to withdraw, and so she, you know, it relies on the sort of like well. She's an quote unquote addict, and so she'll say or do anything to try to like get back with the drugs or whatever, you know. Right. And so, because she's the first one to be possessed, they they're constantly like, "No, she's just trying to get out of it," and they don't believe her, right? Yeah. And that's actually ultimately their downfall too. Right. Exactly. And but you feel a little bit more for them. I of feel course. like because like you get it. She is very sick. Yeah. It, and she has lied. Yeah. And so it makes sense why they don't believe her. And it makes sense why um, she would be the first one to be possessed because she was like the most vulnerable at the time, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and she has a friend, Olivia, who looks like my niece, man, <laughs> as a grown up. Yeah. This is what I imagined my niece to look like as a grown up. So it was very hard for me to see Olivia die. <laughs> but Olivia. And she'd handle it way better. Yeah, she, yeah. Totally. Uh, my niece is obviously a final girl. Anyway, the Olivia um, is a nurse. Right. And so she is at the cabin to help her through withdrawal, yeah. right? And for anybody who's been either through opiate withdrawal or been with somebody who's been through opiate withdrawal, you know, like, that the, the medications that they give you are actually, you know, um, pretty low so they they are typically monitored by a nurse mm-hmm. often you know um yeah. there's and if you can do it outside of a hospital setting like you know that might be preferable um opiate withdrawal isn't quite like alcohol withdrawal or benzodiazepine withdrawal if you're withdrawing from alcohol or benzodiazepines there's a high there's a higher risk or there is a risk of death in those withdrawals mm-hmm. um you can get seizures and and you can um and you can pass away so for opiate withdrawal it's not actually uh, deadly in the same way like that, right? Um, the most dangerous thing in opiate withdrawal or in opiate like addiction is overdose, right? Which is what we hear about all the time. And so we find out that Mia has overdosed mm-hmm. and actually died and had to be brought back mm-hmm. to life by the defibrillator, right? Got had it. to have her heart restarted. Yeah. So this also makes me think like, oh, maybe because she has been dead before, right? right that yeah. she has some kind of Entry, entry point into the into the spiritual world or something. Yeah. Um, and I really like this story because I think it's really like humanizing. Um, yeah. And I think that they were all kinder to each other than in the 1981 version. I feel like. Yeah, and actually, another point that I kind of wanted to bring up um, from the from our last episode was one of the sort of like. I suppose zeitgeisty type of like approaches in story too, because in the eighties you were mentioning like a lot more of the horror movies were more about these like white suburban kids, yeah. And um, there's a lot of a lot of them are set up, especially like the ones where they like all get brutally murdered, like in like some cabin partying or something yeah. like that, you know. Because yeah. that's the other thing. The first one they go up there to to have a weekend away, right? You know and. Right. And the way that, like, they discover all these, like, occult things in the basement and they bring it up, it, it, there's an era of entitlement. 
Absolutely. that they have like Absolutely. through what they're doing and stuff like that. And I think I connected a lot better with the 2013 one mm-hmm. because there's more, like you said, there's more of a humanizing story. They're, they're right. there to help his sister through, you know, like getting off of uh, heroin, mm-hmm. right? And and there's like, they, they give more backstory and personal motivation yeah. and, and they explain why certain characters have conflict with each other. Right. But in the first one, well, although it's good because they're both, I think, ultimately like slasher type movies, mm-hmm. um, but slasher esque. But um, the first one does feel more just like, oh, demon possession, yeah, kill, kill, kill. Right. Like, how do you guys get through it? But then the second one had a lot more emotional charge. I think with every like each person that dies and and all that and it's a little more impactful I think that way yeah yeah I think so too and that's kind of why I think I favored the 2013 one a little Mm -hmm. bit that's because I feel like some of those like the relationships like of course that's what I'm into right (laughs) like it's like (laughs) the relationship stuff in the story yeah um yeah and I think that that was that was definitely different um the entitlement of like in the first one was um, we were talking about it too, is like this kind of entitlement to survive. Like, right. so like I was thinking through the whole time that I watched the movie, um, the 1981 movie, I was thinking like, okay, I have PTSD, but I also have survival skills, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like at least I have some survival skills, man, get a weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was this idea that like, that they were trying to kind of cope with the disaster of the moment. Right. Um, and that they which is understandable, but that they weren't kind of like anticipating or defending themselves. In right. A way. Um, and I felt like the new, newer version, the 2013 version really had them defend themselves. Yeah. Like, I think that they were, there were, um, m- many fewer instances where I was like, ah, get the gun. You yeah. know, like <laughs> I felt like they were kind of more on guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sooner, which was, which almost made it like a little bit more unsettling for me. Yeah, because, because they were despite so the fact that <laughs> they did kind of respond better, they they still got brutalized. Yeah, it was over. Yeah. Like they had no chance, yeah. right? Like, and I think that that is what makes things like, um, like disturbing for me mm-hmm. in like in a way that I actually um, enjoy <laughs> watching horror movies. Yeah, is this feeling of like okay, like I can't think myself out of this. Right. So then it gets scary. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because th- there's no, there's less hesitation, I think, in the second one, too. Things yeah. just happen, and you're Things just happen. like, oh, f- oh my gosh. And, like, it, the second one's brutal. There's some, like, actually, I would consider, like, iconic scenes, too. Oh, yeah. Because, like, th- it's just, like, yeah, there's there's some parts that are, it, it's, it's, it's a great, like, it, it visually is, is great, too. Yeah. It's gratuitous. Um, definitely gratuitous and uh but but creepy and and uh, but really brutal yeah and i think that the yeah a lot of the brutality kind of distracted me too because i kept thinking like uh you better stop that bleeding or you're gonna pass out you know what i mean like i was like no way they'd still be conscious right now healthcare workers no you're definitely in shock there's no no way you could be doing that um but i kind of the addiction thing in the in the second one was interesting because then I kept thinking like I wonder if this possession could also be like a metaphor for someone living in addiction right Right. like doing things that you wouldn't do normally feeling like you can't control yourself like feeling like 
you're killing people around you, hurting, right, the, people hurting around the people you. around you that are trying to help you. Yeah. Right. Um, and that I thought was interesting, but the violence was like very intense, like very gratuitous. And I think, um, it was also really interesting because they were doing some like, uh, emergency wound care, right. With the duct tape, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is like, <laughs> like, uh, if you have a wound and you need to keep it dry, you use duct tape. Yeah. Um, usually you put something on top of the wound first, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, so it doesn't reopen the wound when you take off. The yeah, duct tape. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were doing a lot of those things to try to like survive. Right. So yeah. they were really trying to think like on their feet and they kept going. Right. Like, they were coursing with adrenaline, like trying to figure things out. And I think that went. adds a level of realism to it yeah. too, because yeah. like it, it, yeah. Cause in the, in the first one, they don't do much of that. And then like, it's just sort of like, how are you still alive? You know? Mm-hmm. And then like, but the second one, each person goes through so many different things of like, like, what? Like, they get stabbed. They get a nail gun shot at them. Uh, my biggest gripe about the movie though is nail guns don't work that way. I don't. You like, can't just like fire it across yeah, the room. Yeah, they don't shoot. Like, I, I'm sure if you've like. I guess depress the mechanism that like is telling the the nail gun that it's against a surface. Yeah. But nail guns don't just shoot like a regular gun because they have that safety mechanism built in so that it doesn't shoot like that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's fine. <laughs> it's, an, it's an important point. I think to the um, the time where Mia in the end she rips her arm off basically yeah. it's stuck under the car. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Um, but. It was really interesting because it was almost like this question that we come back to a lot in these movies, which is like, what are you, what are you willing to do to survive? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she actually like rips it off, uh, losing her hand. Um, when the demon says like, you're going to die here, you pathetic junkie. Yeah. And then she's like, nope, I'm fucking not like, (laughs) this is not happening. And so she, then she not only like loses her arm, but then she has to like chainsaw the demon. Right. Yeah. That one is classic. That was iconic. That was pretty great. Yeah. The demon says, I'm going to eat your soul. And she says like, eat this motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Basically like shoves it in her mouth throat or yeah, her mouth and then like splits her head open. Mm-hmm. fucking great it was pretty satisfying imagine yeah. like just imagine like slicing a hot dog in half and you know how it curls sometimes mm-hmm. it's kind of like that yeah that's exactly what <laughs> um, but with blood but with a lot more blood yeah, yeah. Uh, and so she was able to like survive that moment to say like okay no this is I'm going to do these horrific things that I have to do to yeah survive. almost every single character except mm-hmm. poor Olivia has a moment where they they mentally fortify. Yes. And they carry yes. through. And actually, I think they did that really well in the second mm-hmm. movie. Um, I, 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 I love that they did that. But there's a part of me that also feels like, that wonders, right? Like, given your experience talking to people, going through traumatic events and stuff like that. To me, that feels very cinematic, right? I think that serves the purpose in a movie for you to see clearly that somebody has resolved to live. Yeah. And to follow through or to, 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 to kill the enemy or whatever it is, you know. Um, but, but I guess my... And, and that's lacking in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody like Ash, right, in, in the final movie, in the first movie, he is ultimately... He does ultimately survive, right? Right. Um, and, um, well, 
despite the ending that is interpret you know yeah. sort of up for, up for yeah. interpretation but he ultimately lives yeah because um, there's an evil dead too starring Ash. <laughs> starring Ash, yeah but he's he seems like he stumbles through it right um yeah and, and so i suppose my question is like is the the second movie's portrayal of it a little more cinematic or is it more realistic too or is our experience in sometimes traumatic events that sometimes you're like yeah you do want to live and you do have that resolve to or that survival mechanism but it does look more like you're just stumbling through it yeah you know i think yes to all of it i think that often it looks like we're stumbling through it um i think that it is kind of gassed up for like cinematic mm-hmm. you know experience but i also think that people do human beings are resilient we survive some absolutely unsurvivable shit and sometimes like people do have experiences like that where they have to make that decision to survive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't make the decision to survive and they survive, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and I think sometimes in traumatic events, you might feel like, um, like there's no way out of this. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm just going to give up right now. Yeah. You know? And that's not bad either. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes people survive feeling like that. Yeah. And then have a lot of shame around having given up. Yeah. Um, but that's a normal response. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think a little bit of both. And I think oftentimes, like, human beings, when we're surviving, we don't look pretty while we do it. Right? Like, <laughs> like sometimes, like Mia in the second movie, we're covered in blood and, you know, have zombie blood on us like it's just it's hard to get through the moment and that's okay like survival is our most innate instinct and it can still be overridden survival is a binary right yes survive or you don't right anything that happens leading up to that is just the messiness of life i know Yeah. yeah it is I mean, on a, like, a, you know, even on a lighter note, right, if you've ever played sports, right, like, you're, you're on a team that's losing, and you're down by, like, maybe enough for you to be, like, we probably won't be able to cover this by the end of the game, yeah. but you fight through it or something like that, you know? Yeah. And, like, and you never know, sort of thing, right? Like The going-onness. The going-onness. That's what I like about horror movies, man, yeah. is, like, um, it's that ability to find like that going onness, like that ability to go on. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I like uh, Handmaid's Tale, the TV show so much is because I think they do that constantly. Okay. And so, and for me, whenever I watch Handmaid's Tale, I'm like, oh no, I'm, um, that's not worth it. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I'd probably just be, be done in the beginning. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I'd probably just be rounded up in the beginning and you know, say lovey. That's yeah. how things go. Yeah. Because some of these things are so unimaginable. Right. Right. And the things like the really gory, horrible stuff that happens in slasher movies or like the torture porn movies or whatever, like all of those things are like the most horrifying things that we can think of. Yeah. Right. And I think part of us, like some part of some of us watches them to say like, okay, like this is what I could live through or how could I live through this? Right. Or like, you know, like what's the worst thing that can happen and how can I endure it? Right. Um, and yeah, because you're constantly thinking like, okay, well, if my arm was possessed and I had an electric, um, yes. you know. Would like, I be uh, able to do it? Turkey, you know, ham cutter thing, you know. Would I cut my arm off? Because it's very clear in that situation that's probably the move. I know, <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah. Ah, 
Yes, all of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, trying to figure it out. Trying yeah. to figure out what are we willing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we take both movies, yeah. who are you? Oh, man. Both movies. I forgot who I said. Oh, you know, yesterday I said I was um, Ash's sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still would be Ash's sister in the first movie. Respect. But overall, probably David. I respect that. Um, because... I try to be realistic with some of the characters, you know, like David, I think is like adequately flawed yeah. as I think I am. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I think he makes like enough mistakes that I'm comfortable with, you know, like, yeah. and com- like comfortable with myself knowing that I probably would make. Um, but I think he does step up when, when he needs to, or, or when the, the, the moment, um, moment calls for. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. How about you? I could be biased just because I think she looks like my niece, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Olivia. Um, and the reason is because, like, she's debating with everyone and she says, no, we should just stay here. These are the same medicine she's going to get in the hospital. It's going to be fine. Right. I could totally picture me saying some bullshit like that. <laughs> and then, um, and then uh, when she's, like, really trying to stick to it, and she's just, like, she... She's kind of like the mom friend, I feel like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where she's like kind of trying to project manage stuff. And then yeah, it's yeah. way over her head, but she kind of doesn't want to accept that. Sure. And yeah. so she's then ultimately, you know. To be fair, though, I don't think you would have us go out in the middle of the woods to try to get somebody on detox. Because no. I think you'd probably be like, just in case something happens, we need to be close to a hospital. Indeed, I would, yeah. sir. So. Indeed. Credit to you. Indeed. Um, also, what I've been trying to do um, with a lot of these episodes, and we're st- I still consider us pretty early, but now we're in like, you know, the, the teens of our episode. I know, numbers, look at us. I, I, I like to tack on a metal, a metal song, requ- uh, not requests, but recommendations. And I think for this one, the obvious one is Rain and Blood by Slayer. <laughs> so uh, if you guys are so inclined... Um, Check that one out. I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of you have heard of it, but um, it's, a, it's a fucking classic. Love it. And uh, a total missed opportunity in the second movie to play that song when it was Raining Blood. That would have so, been great. I feel like uh, that is missed opportunity. Check that out. And uh, I, I'll, I'll try to have some more um, um, sort of metal recommendations the next time, one of the next episodes. Yes. But, yeah. Um, But yeah, thanks for joining us this time, um, and see you next time. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.